Thank you, Jesus. Yes, Lord, only you can steal. My soul is thirsty. My soul thirsts this morning, Lord. My soul thirsts to know you better and better, Father. I say good morning, Jesus. Good morning, Holy Spirit. My soul thirsts to know you better and better, Lord. Thank you for a brand new day. Thank you for bringing me into your presence again this morning. Thank you because this is the day that you have made. And so, Lord, I am confident that today is filled with your goodness. Today is filled with your blessings. It's filled with your mercies. Be glorified, Lord, forevermore. In the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, you are who you are. You are the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. You are I am, O oh God. Lord, there is none like you. No one can compare to you, O oh God. You are God from beginning to the end. There is no place for argument. Be magnified, precious Father, in the precious name of Jesus. As we spend this time in your presence this morning to read your word, we ask, Lord, grant us understanding and wisdom. Help us to apply the lessons again. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. All right, let me say a big welcome to everyone joining in to devotion this morning. I am Morphe Eyenike. Thank you if you're joining me on Anchor. Um, Murphy Yenike. Um, if you're joining me on any of my Instagram page, if you're joining me on Anchor Devotional uh, with Murphy Yenike, thank you. God bless you. I pray once again for you that you will not only know God better and better, but the word will change your life totally in the mighty name of Jesus. We continue our reading of the book of Luke. Yes, Luke chapter, we stopped yesterday on chapter 21. Yes, so we have three more chapters to go. Chapter 22, 23, and 24. Chapter 22 is 71 verses. Chapter 23 is 56. And chapter 24 is 53. And we want to complete it by tomorrow. Okay, so that means we'll read read Luke chapter 22 today. And hopefully get to somewhere um, at least about let's say verse 20 yes in Luke in Luke chapter 23 that should make it easy for us to finish everything tomorrow so please get your Bibles let's read together at Luke chapter 22 Judas agrees to betray Jesus yesterday we stopped where Jesus daily went to the temple and was doing this thing. Luke chapter 22 from verse 1, the festival of unleavened bread, which is also called Passover, was approaching. The leading priests and teachers of religious law were plotting how to kill Jesus. Ah, I think one, one group left that place. So which group is there? It's Usually there will be three. Okay, let's go. Let's continue. I'm sure we'll pick it out later. The leading priests and teachers of religious law 
were plotting how to the elders, yes, were plotting how to kill Jesus. But they were afraid of the people's reaction. Then Satan entered Judas Iscariot, who was one of the twelve disciples. The question is, did Judas had a choice? I think he did. And I'm certain that Satan also tried to tempt the other the other disciples. It didn't just go to, it didn't just go to if you know Satan's character, it wouldn't just have gone to, to Judas Iscariot. It would have looked for everyone that had that had any bit of okay, any any bit of weakness in their lives. Okay, maybe Peter would not have been a good option or John. <laughs> okay, uh, but Thomas, uh, Simon the Zealot, okay, um, yes, we was there is a weakness there, the devil will eventually find a way to exploit. And in Judah's case, it was greed for money. It says, then Satan entered into Judas Iscariot, who was one of the twelve disciples, and he went to the leading priests and captains of the temple guard to discuss the best way to betray Jesus to them. They were delighted and they promised to give him money. It was just all about money. And I'm certain that Judas did not know that this was going to lead, lead to the crucifixion of Jesus. You just want to interrogate him or you just want to talk to him. Maybe that was what he was told. So he agreed, verse 6, he agreed and began looking for an opportunity to betray Jesus so they could arrest him when the crowds weren't around. In other words, it wasn't just one opportunity. He was looking for the right moment. Would it be better in the day? Uh, when was going to be the next time where they would be secluded on their own and then he would have called for, called for them. He says, so they could arrest him when the crowd weren't around. The Last Supper. Now, the festival of unleavened bread arrived when the Passover lamb is sacrificed. Jesus sent Peter and John ahead and said, go and prepare. So now we know that it was Peter and John that were sent. Luke gave us this record. Matthew and Mark just said he sent two of his disciples ahead of them. So... Luke tells us clearly that Peter and John were the ones sent ahead and he said go and prepare the Passover meal so we can eat it together. Where do you want us to prepare it? They asked him. He replied, as soon as you enter Jerusalem, a man carrying a pitcher of water will meet you. Follow him. At the house he enters, say to the owner, the teacher asks, where is the guest room where I can eat the Passover meal with my disciples? It will take you upstairs to a large room that is already set up. That is where you should prepare our meal. Sincerely, I would like to meet this man in heaven, but that has to take some serious being led by the Holy Spirit. He said he had already set it up. In other words, um, as they were leaving Jesus it's either he already did or obviously most likely they left immediately and so he probably did the day maybe a few days before that day 
getting it ready because that prompting kept on coming to him to get the room ready. So by the time the disciples asked him, of course, he just took them there. Oh, so this was the reason why that prompting was coming. Jesus said, that is where you should prepare our meal. They went over to the city and found everything just as Jesus had said, and they prepared the Passover meal there. 14. When the time came, Jesus and the apostles sat down together at the table. Jesus said, I have been very eager to eat this Passover meal with you before my suffering begins. He said he was eager. That's thought-provoking, right? He was eager. He was ready to suffer. And I'm telling you, it wouldn't have been easy. And that was why at the Garden of Gethsemane, angels had to come and encourage him because Jesus himself actually prayed. Jesus was afraid, sincerely, afraid to be separated from the Father. That was what happened. He was separated from the Father. The Father had to turn his back on him. So, I don't know. He was eager to do the Father's will, I will say. I have been very eager to eat this Passover meal with you before my suffering begins. For I tell you now that I won't eat this meal again until its meaning is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. When will the meaning be fulfilled in the kingdom of God? Just take your guess. I think it will be at the marriage feast of the Lamb. But we will see. 17 says, Then he took a cup of wine and give thanks to God for it. Then he said, Take this and share it among yourselves, for I will not drink wine again until the kingdom of God has come. Until the kingdom of God has come. So when does the kingdom come? That's the question. Is it when Jesus presents his sacrifice before the Father and is accepted? Is that when the kingdom comes? Or is it when the bride finally appears? Okay, uh, when Jesus presents the bride to the Father. Is that when the kingdom comes? He says, For I will not drink wine again until the kingdom of God has come. He took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples, saying, This is my body which is given which is given for you. Do this in remembrance. Do this in remembrance of me. After supper, he took another cup of wine and said, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. Okay, so what I want to quickly do is back up. It seems he did it twice, right? 17 says, Then he took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. Then he said, Take this and share it among yourself, for I will not drink wine again until the kingdom of God has come. That wasn't the communion, okay? That was just meant to, to show their bond of love for together, right? 19 then said he took the bread. 20 said after supper he took another cup another cup luke says only luke records it like this luke took another cup of wine and said this cup is the new covenant between god and his people then this is the communion 
an agreement confirmed with my blood which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. But here at this table, sitting among us as a friend, is the man who will betray me. Remember, Judas will have drank, drink, no, he drank that first cup. Okay, he, would, he drank that first cup. And that first cup was supposed to indicate the bond of unity among them, them among themselves, right? He says, take this drink from one cup, all of you. Was supposed to indicate that they were one. It was that same person that was about to betray him. In other words, Jesus gave Judas every opportunity, all the opportunity in the world to turn back. But here at this table, verse 21, sitting among us as a friend is the man who will betray me. For it has, it has been determined that the Son of Man must die. But what sorrow awaits the one who betrays him? Hmm. 23, the disciples began to ask each other which of them would ever do such a thing. Then they began to argue among themselves about who would be the greatest among them. So Luke inserts this story here. Okay, um, I think Matthew and Mark puts it in a different place. It looked like it was on the road. Jesus saw them arguing and then asked them why were they arguing in Matthew and Mark's account. But Luke puts it here. Since they began to argue among themselves about who would be the greatest among them, Jesus told them in this world the kings and great men lord it over their people, yet they are called friends of the people. But among you it will be different. Those who are the greatest among you should take the lowest rank, and the leader should be like a servant. Who is more important, the one who sits at the table or the one who serves? The one who sits at the table, of course, but not here. Not here in the kingdom, not here, for I am among you as one who serves. Okay, this was where he now did the feet washing part. Okay, I am here, for I am among you as one who serves. Not here in the kingdom, remember. If it's Christianity, leaders don't lord it over their people. No. If it's true Christianity, we don't lord it over our people. We serve them. Yes, the leader is the one who serves. 28. You have stayed with me in my time of trial. And just as my father has granted me a kingdom, I now grant you the right to eat and drink at my table in my kingdom. And you will sit on thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Remember, I said the disciples or the apostles were representing, no, there were 24 elders. They were just representing 12 of them. I don't think Jesus was talking about them, the 12 of them, the 12 individuals here, being the one to sit on that throne. No, they were simply representing the New Testament, the, the dispensation of the New Testament, okay? Uh, 12 of 12, 12 of 12 thrones we will eventually see in the book of Revelation. Jesus predicts Peter's desire. Simon Peter, Satan has asked to sift each of you like wheat. In other words, he had been checking on each of them, trying to, you know, find something. He said Satan has asked to sift 
each of you like wheat, but I have pleaded in prayer for you, Simon, that your faith should not fail. So when you have repented and turned to me again, strengthen your brothers. In other words, Jesus knew that he was always going to be deny him. Peter said, Lord, I am ready to go to prison with you and even to die with you. But Jesus said, Peter, let me tell you something. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny three times that you even know me. Okay? We know that Matthew and Mark indicated twice. Before the rooster crows twice, you will deny three times that you even know me. 35. Then Jesus asked them, when I sent you out to preach the good news and you did not have money, a traveler's bag or an extra pair of sandals, did you need anything? No, they replied. But now he said, take your money and a traveler's bag. In other words, aha, the syllabus was updated. He said, take your, tra- take your money and a traveler's bag. And if you don't have a sword, sell your cloak and buy one. For the time has come for this prophecy about me to be fulfilled. He was counted among the rebels. Yes, he, was, he would eventually be killed among, among thieves. Hmm? He was counted among the rebels. Yes, everything written about me by the prophets uh, will, come, will, eventually, will, come to, will come true. Okay? He's counted among the rebels. He's found in Isaiah chapter 53 verse 12. Okay? Yes, everything written about me by the prophets will come true. Look, Lord, they replied, we have two swords. Since you are saying that, we should get swords, right? And be ready. We have two swords. Now you understand why Peter cut off the hair of that guy, right? <laughs> because he misunderstood this statement of Jesus when he said, and if you don't have a sword, sell your cloak and buy one. For the time has come for this prophecy about me to be fulfilled. It was counted among the rebels. So look, Lord, verse 38, they replied, We have two swords among us. That's enough, he said. Hmm? That's enough. My interpretation of this, that is enough. It's, it's okay. Stop. Let's stop discussing this thing. But I think they understood it as this two sword will be enough for us when the fight breaks out. Next, Jesus prays on the Mount of Olive, and this one is something you need to really pay attention to. Then, accompanied by the disciples, Jesus left the upstairs room and went, as usual, to the Mount of Olives. There, he told them, pray that you will not give in to temptation. You don't want to give in to temptation, pray. 41. He walked away about a stone throw and knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet, I want your will to be done, not mine. Then an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him. 44. He prayed more fervently, and he was in such agony of spirit that his sweat fell to the ground like great drops of blood. At last, he stood up again and returned to the disciples, only to find them asleep, exhausted, as exhausted from grief. Grief because Jesus told them that he was going to be betrayed that, that night. Okay? only to find them asleep, exhausted exhausted from grief. Why are you sleeping? He asked them. Get up and pray so that you will not give in to temptation. But even as Jesus said this, we know that he came back two times, right? Luke does not tell us. 
specifically, but it's easy to infer it, right? For the seven, but even as Jesus said this, a crowd approached, led by Judas, one of the twelve disciples. Judas walked over to Jesus to greet him with a kiss. But Jesus said, Judas, would you betray the Son of Man with a kiss? Hmm. When the other disciples saw what was about to happen, they exclaimed, Lord, should we fight? We brought the swords. And one of them struck at the high priest's slave, slashing off his right ears. ear. But Jesus said, no more of this. And he touched the man's ear and healed him. Then Jesus spoke to the leading priest, the captain of the temple guard, and the elders. Yes, I was correct. I said it's the elders that, were, that was missing at the, at the beginning of the verse. Then Jesus spoke to the leading priest, the captains of the temple guard, and the elders, who are, of course, the captain, the captain of the temple guards, as replayed the teachers. <laughs> the, the, it would have been the leading priest, the teachers of religious law, and the elders. But now... It says Jesus spoke to the leading priests, the captains of the temple guard, and the elders who had come for him. Am I some dangerous revolutionary? He asked that you come with swords and clubs to arrest me. Why didn't you arrest me in the temple? I was there every day. But this is your moment. It's your moment. The time when the power of darkness reigns. I'm telling you, that is the only time when darkness, the power of darkness, had the right to reign. Why? The Father turned his back on Jesus. Why? Because of me and you. He had chose to carry on himself the sins of the whole world. After his sacrifice on the cross, Satan can claim it. I'm telling you, darkness does not have the right to reign if we are standing as long as we are standing on the sacrifice of jesus on that cross darkness does not have the power to reign is it but but this is your moment the time when the power of darkness reigns next we read about peter's denial from verse 54 so they arrested him and led him to the high priest's home and peter followed at a distance the guards lit a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat around it and Peter joined them there. A servant girl noticed him in the firelight and began staring at him. Finally, she said, This man was one of Jesus' followers. But Peter denied it. Woman, he said, I don't even know him. After a while, someone else looked at him and said, You must be one of them. No, man, I'm not, Peter retorted. About an hour later, Someone or someone else insisted, this must be one of them because he's a Galilean too. But Peter said, man, I don't know what you are talking about. And immediately, immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. At that moment, the Lord turned and looked at Peter. In other words, they could see themselves. He turned and looked at Peter. Suddenly, the Lord's word flashed through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny three times that you even know me. And Peter left the courtyard, weeping bitterly. 63. The guards in charge of Jesus began mocking and beating him. Without a trial, 
they began mocking and beating him. They blindfolded him and said, Prophesy to us, who eats you that time? And they hurled all sorts of insults at him. Thus Jesus goes before the council. At daybreak, all the elders of the people assembled, including the leading priests and the teachers of religious law. Jesus was led before this high council. And they said, Tell us, are you the Messiah? But he replied, If I tell you, you won't believe me. And if I ask you a question, you won't answer. Maybe they would have answered now that the people were not present, okay? If I tell you, you won't believe me. And if I ask you, you won't answer. But from now on, the Son of Man will be seated in the place of power at God's right hand. Hmm. They all shouted, So you are so are you claiming to be the Son of God? And he replied, You say that I am. Why do we need any why do we need other witnesses? They said, We ourselves had him say it. They said it themselves, right? <laughs> because they asked him, Are you claiming to be the Son of God? He already told them, If I say you will not believe me anyway. You have said it, yes. And of course, they shouted, He's guilty of treason. He's guilty of blasphemy. Crucify him. Yes, they shouted. All right, we completed chapter 22. Let's move on to chapter 23. Jesus' trial before Pilate. Remember, the, the council do not have the authority to, to sentence anyone to death. Okay? So they could sentence him to to beat him up, to keep him in prison, but not to kill him. And so they had to send him before Pilate. Then the entire council took Jesus to Pilate, the Roman governor. They began to state their case. This man has been leading our people astray by telling them not to pay their taxes to the Roman government and by claiming he is the Messiah, a king. So Pilate asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus replied, You have said it. Because actually, he is the king of the Jews. He is the king of kings, right? <laughs> you have said it. Pilate turned because he looked as if he was, he, was, he was jesting to Pilate. Pilate turned to the leading priest and to the crowd and said, I find nothing wrong with this man. Then they, be, they became insistent. But he is causing riots by his teaching wherever he goes, all over Judea, from Galilee to Jerusalem. Oh, is he a Galilean? Pilate asked. When they said that he was, Pilate sent him to Herod Antipas. Remember that Herod Antipas had been trying to see Jesus for a long time. Yes, Pilate sent him to Herod Antipas. Only Luke records it like this. Hmm? Because Galilee was under Herod's jurisdiction and Herod happened to be in Jerusalem at that time. Herod was delighted at the opportunity to see Jesus because he had, he had heard about him and he had been hoping for a long time to see him perform a miracle. He asked Jesus question about question. He asked Jesus question after question, but Jesus refused to answer. Why? Because Jesus knew they were trying to use him. Meanwhile, the leading the leading priests and the teachers of religious law stood there shouting their accusation. Their accusations. Eleven, then Herod and his soldiers began mocking and ridiculing Jesus. 
finally they, they put a royal robe on him and sent him back to Pilate. It was Herod that did that. It wasn't Pilate. Hmm? Specifically as recorded by Luke. Then Herod and his soldiers began mocking and ridiculing Jesus. Finally, they put a robe, a royal robe on him and sent him back to Pilate. Herod and Pilate, who had been enemies before, became friends that day. You see, you see what Jesus had to suffer. <laughs> his enemies became friends on that day. 13. Then Pilate called together the leading priests and other religious teachers among, along with the people, and he announced his verdict. You brought this for some reason. The teachers of religious law have gone out of doing this crucifixion. I don't know whether you noticed it. They have been removed from the setting. But let's continue. I'm sure when we do the harmonized study, it will even become much, much clearer. Then Peter called together the leading priests and other religious teachers along with the people, 14. And he announced his verdict. You brought this man to me, accusing him of of leading a, ra- a revolt. Obviously, he would have been able to find that one out easily, right? By simply asking his own soldiers, has there been any revolt? And they would have said, no, that was a clear lie. It's easy to prove that one. He says, you brought this man to me, accusing him of leading a revolt. I have examined him thoroughly on this point in your presence and find him innocent. Herod came to the same conclusion and sent him back to us. Nothing this man has done calls for the death, the death penalty. So I will have him flogged and then I will release him. See that? So I think this is what would have happened. Pilate had Jesus flogged with the intention that when they see Jesus, they would at least have pity on him because he already declared that the man is innocent. He said, I have examined him thoroughly on this point in your presence and find him innocent. Since nothing this man has done calls for the death penalty. So I will have him flogged and then I will release him. 18. Then a mighty roar rose from the crowd and with one voice they shouted, Kill him and release Barabbas to us. Barabbas was in prison for taking part in an insurrection in Jerusalem against the government and for murder. Pilate argued with them because he wanted to release Jesus. But he kept shouting, crucify him, crucify him. For the third time he demanded, why? What crime has he committed? I have found no reason to sentence him to death. So I will have him flogged and then I will release him. But the mob shouted louder and louder, demanding that Jesus be crucified. And their voices, their voices prevailed. So Pilate sentenced Jesus to die as they demanded. Like I say, when we get to heaven, I don't know whether Pilate will be able to absorb himself. He could have found a way. However, reading Luke's account, you see that he tried to find a way to release Jesus, right? So Pilate sentenced Jesus to die as they demanded, as they demanded, as they had requested. He released Barabbas, the man in prison for insurrection and murder, but he turned Jesus over to them, over to them as they wished. Okay, so 
I think we should stop here. I want us to take the crucifixion, the death of Jesus, and then and then his his his, his burial, his resurrection tomorrow. Now, what lessons, big lessons I can take from here? Okay, so the first lesson is that man that prepared the upper room for 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 the Passover meal. Okay, that they had that that night. I think is a big lesson to us that when promptings come from for to come to us from the Holy Spirit, we should obey. First lesson for me. Now, it's important you pay attention to how much Jesus went through, how much Jesus suffered for me and you. Yes, he chose it. And on this night, and even on the cross, of course, the kingdom of darkness at this time felt that they were winning. On this night, the father had to turn his back on Jesus. And we just have to say, Jesus, thank you this morning. What do you think? Yes, let's say thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you for giving us Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for your sacrifice, for going to the cross for us. Thank you for shedding your blood. Lord, we give you all the praise. Lord, we magnify you. We ask, Lord, this morning that your sacrifice will not be in vain in our lives. Help us to live for you. Help us to bring glory to your name. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. All right, thank you so much for listening today. God bless you. Enjoy your day.